beneath our bare feet. The child was unusually quiet. She wrote her name in the sand with her finger, and then took a handful and trickled it over the letters until the word disappeared. She moved closer and rested her head on my shoulder. I put my arm around her and pulled her into me. We settled into the warmth of each other, as we always did, as we had done for all of her life. I had never felt such love for anyone, and I'd never felt such sadness either. I had always believed that I would never have to leave her. I thought we would be together, always. What time are you going tomorrow? she asked. After breakfast. I wish you weren't going. Oh, Vivi, so do I. I couldn't tell Viviane how I was dreading the impending separation from her and from her parents, Julia and Alain. I could not explain that I didn't know how I would muster the strength to tear myself away from the family I had loved so deeply for ten years, ever since Vivi was a baby. Instead, I rested my cheek against the top of her head and breathed in the salty smell of her hair, committing the moment to memory so it would be there when I needed it later, when I was alone. Why do you have to go? Viviane whispered. I've told you, sweetheart, my grandmother is ill and my father needs me at home. There isn't anyone else to help him. And what about me? What will happen to me? Oh, my darling, you'll carry on growing up and you will become cleverer and better and stronger. Your dear mother and father will look after you and I'll write to you and you'll write to me and it will be almost as if we were still together. You'll see, it will be almost the same. It won't be the same at all. Viviane picked up a twig and dug the point of it into the sand. She concentrated on this for a moment and then added, At least I'll still have Emily. Emily wouldn't leave me. I smiled and ran my hand the length of her back. I thought you had left her, I said. I thought you'd decided you were too big for imaginary friends, now that you're almost ten. Viviane shrugged. She flicked sand into the air with the point of the twig. There had been a time, not so long ago, when I'd had to lay a place for Emily at the table, when Julia, Alain and I had to be careful where we walked in case we accidentally stepped on Emily's toes, when at bedtimes I was obliged to read a story to Emily and kiss her goodnight along with Viviane, Lately, though, her name had hardly been mentioned, and Viviane was less inclined to wander off alone. Her hand holding an invisible hand, her lips moving as she carried on both sides of a two-way conversation. Once or twice I'd been surprised and amused to catch myself feeling sorry for the imaginary friend whose place in Viviane's affections was being superseded by tennis lessons and new friendships, a passion for music. That evening... I was actually relieved to hear that Emily was still part of Vivi's life. At least she would have Emily's company when I was gone. I kissed her head. It's late now, darling, and it's getting cold. We ought to go in. Your mummy will be wondering where we are. I pushed myself to my feet, held out my hands to pull Viviane up, and then dusted the sand from my shorts. Viviane stood and wrapped her arms around my waist. Oh, Amy, please don't go, she said. The night was still and lovely. The sky was full of stars. The Milky Way draped across the firmament so there seemed almost more light than darkness. 
Moon shadows stretched long and low across the sand. The wind breathed amongst the pine trees. The needles whispered. I looked for one last time towards the sea, and I took hold of Vivian's hand, and I felt as if my heart was breaking.